It's Sunday. You know what's so weird? Y'all want to know what's so weird? Is that the first service, they're weird. They will not sit in the middle. They only sit on the in the sides. So there'll be like four, five, eight people in the middle, and then all of them on the side. They're like this over there. And then I come in second service, and y'all like the middle. And so, man, praise God for it. Man, I'm so glad you're here. If you are a guest with us today, um, man, what, what you see today started about six months ago um, with a few of us that said, hey, man, we feel like God's called us to start a church here in Hydro. And in the last six months, we've seen more people come to know Jesus um, than, than I've seen in a long... We've, we've seen 23 people cross from death to life in six months. Come on, somebody. And uh, we've, we've just had so much fun. So much fun. Uh, man, we kicked off small groups a couple of weeks ago. Man, that's just been going so good. Um, but if you are a guest with us today, welcome. Welcome to, to, to New Life Church. If you, if, you, uh, if you would, find somebody around you this morning. Meet somebody new. Give them a high five. Give them a handshake. Welcome them into God's house this morning. Oh, that, that, that never going to let you down part is your part. <laughs> you did, probably. Oh, you are good. Well, once again, welcome. Um, I'm excited to preach this morning. It's good to see y'all. Y'all happy to be here? Hey, you made it another week being negative. Come on, somebody. You're here. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, look at your neighbor and tell them you must be negative too, right? Uh, and if you ain't, don't breathe on me. Anyway, um, I, I, I'm going to lead us as we give um, today, so you can go ahead and prepare, um, prepare yourself for that. If you are a guest today, um, in the seat back in front of you, you'll see a little QR code. Just scan that QR code, um, or you can scan it on the screen. Um, um, you can give on there. Uh, you can fill out our Connect card. There's a connection card there to fill out. Hey, man, we want to know you're here. We want to help connect you into to what God is doing here. I believe that, that God sent you here on purpose for a purpose this morning. And so um, I'm, I'm just excited about what God's going to do in your life. So fill out that Connect card. Um, but also I'm going to lead us um, as we give. You know, man, I want to I challenge our first service. Um, and I'll challenge you guys the same way. Not out of uh, uh, this, this huge need because it's been so crazy because we started six months ago. And just financially, as we've grown as a church, it's just been so great to know that, uh, man, we've just all been coming together and being generous. It really has. It affects not only just the house, being able to have small groups, doing all those things, but also just the outreach that we do with people in the community. Uh, and so I wanted to thank you. Just thank you for being generous. And man, hey, maybe you have been hanging out um, and you haven't begun to trust God um, with your tithe. Um, man, I want to challenge you. You just don't know what God can do, but just a little bit. And so it's not out of compulsion. It's not out of, out of any negative will. I just, man, I want to see God do something crazy in your life. And uh, man, the Bible says where our treasure is, our heart is also. And so, man, when you begin to believe God for, you know, salvations and lost people um, that are coming through the doors, uh, man, it's great. I mean, it's the reason my wife and I, it's the reason we tithe, we give, um, because I know it goes into more and more life change um, inside of atmospheres like these. And so I'm going to pray and we'll give today. Father, we love you. And just as we give today, Father, um, we sing and worship to you and we read your word and worship to you. Um, and also we give uh, of our time, our talent and our treasure um, unto you, knowing that you can do more. Um, you can do more with with the little bit that we give you than we can do with all of it. And so God, just bless us in that. I pray that that New Life Church is going to be a place that is known for um, people being a blessing. God, that they're just they're so blessed um, that they're able to help other people in their lives, God. And so, God, we just thank you for, for six months of just, man, radical life change. And I thank you for those that have partnered together in this house to say, hey, we're going to make this place a house that has food in it. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I was wondering if you forgot. I thought maybe you tripped and fell back there or something. 
Oh, thank you. Okay, go sit down, buddy. Well, how are y'all doing this morning? You good? You sure? You really sure? Yeah? Why are y'all so awkward today? Huh? Well, open your Bibles with me this morning. I'm excited uh, because I know that, uh, man, the last few weeks have been so good. Um, man, it, it really hadn't it been? Thanks, Sherry. At least one people thought it was good. Um, it's been so good um, over the last few weeks just seeing God move and, man, just the messages, um, but also just what God's doing in our church. Um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've started small groups, and that's been really, really cool um, to see God move. Um, you know, it's, it's great on Sunday mornings, and man, God, God commands us to gather together um, inside of His temple to be strengthened, to be discipled. Um, but man, it's in those relationships throughout the week that God really brings us that healing um, and brings us that growth inside of our life. And so I'm pumped. Um, Wednesday night, my wife and I have a small group. She has her own. She takes the ladies and they go somewhere. And then I got the dudes and we go over here. And ours is funner. Um, the guys is anyway. We just don't we don't leave crying as much, you know. I'm just saying, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but it has been so fun. And then I wanted to tell you about one big thing. Um, we've started a small group. I say we. I didn't start it. Um, um, but our church has started a small group on the the campus, um, directed at the campus at Southwestern. And um, man, they had their first one Thursday night. And um, come on, somebody. I'm excited about it, um, not because it's another program. That, that's not our heart. We don't want another program. We don't want another strategy on campus. Um, we just want, I just believe, man, this is weird. I'm going to tell you all, you all might think this is weird depending on how you were raised in church. But, um, man, I was just driving around that campus the other day, and I just felt like I heard the Lord say, like, man, I'm giving you this campus, the lost on this campus. And so, so many, you all know how it is, man, you get out of, of high school. We just had a lot of college students coming over the last few weeks. I mean, you get out of high school, and there ain't nobody telling you what to do. Come on, somebody, right? And inside of that window in college, man, it's real easy to lose your faith. A lot of things begin to come into question. And there's just so many students um, on the campus that need Jesus and just people in our life. Come on, somebody. And so that's why we exist. And I'm so excited uh, about Shane and Linda. They've started it. And uh, it's going to be a great, great group. So many wins. If you haven't joined a small group yet, I think they're flashing them. Maybe they were flashing them up here. Um, but man, join one. Get in one this week. You're not missing out. It's not too late. I had somebody text me this week, is it too late? Um, and I was like, it's never too late. Um, sometimes it's not when you show up but it's that you do. Come on, somebody. And so jump in there. Um, we've got them for all different ages, and man, it's fun. And so y'all have one, right? It's awesome, isn't it? It's not as awesome as mine. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Theirs is better than mine. But um, Kat, uh, Tommy and Kat, they have one on um, Monday nights, and so there's just so many places to get involved. Don't buy the lie that it's okay to do life alone. All right, everybody? Um, and so that's all I got to say about that. Open your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to skip around a little bit today. Uh, but man, I got a word for you that I pray is going to challenge you um, really even just culturally inside our church. Last week we talked about um, the value love. Um, but I wanted to start out with this question. That l let, me, let, me, let, let me build up a little bit. Uh, let me qualify. This message is not for your neighbor. Um, um, this is for you. This is an introspective message for you to think about you. Come on, somebody. The Bible ain't a, ain't a mirror. I mean, ain't a microscope. It's a mirror, right? When, it, when you read it, it reads you. And so I want to challenge you today because what I want to talk to you about um, is the real you, um, the real you, the, the you that God sees, the you that God thinks about. Here's why this is important. This is what we're going to talk about today. It's important because if you don't have the right view of who you are, you'll never reach the redemptive purpose that God has for your life. And so let me start out with this question this morning. When you think about you, what do you think about? When you think about yourself, right? Not like in passing, not like just, just right now. Just right now in this moment, I want you to stop and I want you to think. What do you think about yourself. I mean, really, it, it doesn't matter. Um, and I, I, I have my son in here today just because I want him to hear it um, and not be on my phone. Put the phone down. This is for you today. Um, 
But when you really grab your notes, come on, man, track along. Let's go. You already gave me my... I haven't preached yet. You can't give me your notes yet. When you really think about you, what do you think about? When you really think about yourself, how do you think about yourself? Well, when you talk about yourself, y'all don't talk about yourselves to yourselves? Come on, somebody, right? I'm crazy and I, talk, I do it out loud. And my wife's like, that's really weird, you know? And I'm like, well, that's kind of how I was raised. We were all angry people that talked to ourselves all the time, you know? But when you think about yourself, think about it this morning. When you think about yourself, how do you think about yourself? What is the theme or the narrative of how you feel about you? Here's a better question. <laughs> Have you ever paid attention to it? Have you ever thought about the way that you think about yourself? Have you ever thought about the, 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 the thoughts that you have when you think about your identity, when you think about your ability, when you think about your way to achieve? Have, have you ever thought about how you think about yourself? But chances are you haven't. A lot of times we get so used to the way we think about things, we don't ever think about why we're thinking about them. Is this saying the word think too much? Are y'all with me this morning? You just get in this pattern of this is the belief system about, about yourself. Maybe, maybe the way that you, you think about yourself has become so normal that you've honestly never given it a second thought. Have you ever asked yourself this question? And this may be the first time this morning, but have you ever asked yourself this question? Is what I think about myself correct? Like, like is it reality? Is it true? Is it, is it something that I've told myself for so long that I've come into agreement with it and I begin to believe it? Is what I think about myself healthy? Is it a good, what I think about myself, is it contributing to the relational health in my life? Is it contributing to my spiritual health? Have y'all ever stopped to think about what you think about yourself? Come on somebody, are y'all with me today? Is it, here's a bigger question, does, does the way that I think about myself line up with the way God thinks about me. Because, man, I battle it all the time. Come on, can I get a witness in here today? I mean, I struggle with it. I struggle with how I see me, how I think about me. I would say that, that, that most of the time, it's, it doesn't line up with God. Most of the time, it's, it's not healthy to my relationships. and It's not healthy to my overall health. You know, in the last 10 years of pastoring, um, but not only that, just because I'm human, I know that, that everyone in this room this morning struggles with the way that they think about themselves. Can y'all give me an amen? Every one of us struggles with the way that we think about. And we may project things online, and we may project happiness online, and we may comb our hair and put our nice clothes on for Sunday morning, but at the end of the day, what I'm trying to get to this morning is that place that you kind of hide away from everybody else. I'm trying to get down to the middle of how you think about yourself, because the way you think about yourself determines every decision and the way that you will govern your entire life. You see, the way that you approve of yourself, the way you see yourself, the way you talk about yourself has huge implications on the impact that you will have on this earth. Did you know this today, that God designed you on purpose for a purpose? That you're here this morning, I believe this, not by accident, but the God of the universe plucked you out of time and put you on earth right now. The Bible says before you were formed in your mother's womb, He knew you, that He called you, that He set you apart, that you're special, that He sees you. Come on, somebody, right? Like, if you don't understand and have the proper view of yourself, you won't reach the redemption purpose that he has for your life man this is a problem because we all we all struggle with the way that we see ourselves it literally governs every decision you'll make in your everyday life come on think about it what do you think about it what are you telling yourself about yourself no, no seriously seriously you probably do it a lot in church right you come into church and you see people and you're like man I wish I wish my marriage was like their marriage. Or, man, I wish I could just read the Bible like Pastor Mark. 
Right? Man, I wish I had that. Man, look at that family. I wish we were like that family. I wish we weren't dysfunctional like we are. You don't know that they cussed each other out for 30 minutes on the way to church that morning. I mean, this is real. But we tell ourselves these narratives and these stories about ourselves, and it literally governs our entire, our entire life. Comparing ourselves to others, to me even. The, the way that we see yourself has such implications inside of your life. When you think about it, it's really easy to accept Jesus. Right? This is the gospel that God loved you so much He sent His Son to die for you. That His blood was shed to wash you clean and to make you new. He lived perfect on this earth. He healed people. He, he raised people from the dead. Hey, it's easy to accept Jesus. You mean to tell me He's going to take all of my bad junk and like forget about it and make it all new and then I can spend eternity? That's a good... I'll take that deal. How many of you take that deal? It's real easy to accept Jesus, but the real work of salvation is being able to accept ourselves. It's easy to accept Jesus. That's, that's an easy trade, but, but the hard part is accepting me. Really, that's what we all want in life. We want to be accepted. We want to be valued. We want to be seen. We want to be, be heard. And, and I'm going to tell you this this morning, man. You, you, God doesn't want you living in a constant rhythm of self-doubt, self-shame, self-deprecation, and not feeling like you are called and appointed and anointed to do what He's called you to do. Come on, everybody. Amen. Amen. God wants you to see yourself in a different way. You've got to see this this morning, how pivotal it is to have the right view of yourself. My prayer is for each of us this morning is that we can define some things that are contributing to the way we think about ourselves. And then we can overcome them. You guys know I'm not super smart, right? Like I don't have lots of degrees on the wall, so I keep it pretty simple. And here's as simple as it is. You can't change the way you think about you until you can realize what's contributing to the negative view of you. You can't begin to see a different pattern, to see a different way, to, to see different ways to do it. If you can't understand what's causing the problem today inside of your life, uh, my prayer is that we would all change. We begin to define some things so that we could overcome them. You know, when I was thinking about this today, what feeds this narrative, this negative narrative um, that we tell ourselves? And I came up with about um, 38,000 different things. And some of them are different, specific to gender, because I don't have mommy guilt, but it's a real thing. It's a big thing. It drives a lot of the decisions that moms make inside of their, their life. I, I don't have that, and, and, and I don't know what it's like to be older, and I, I don't know, I, I've forgotten what it's like to be 11. Come on, somebody. It, there, there's all of these different things that contribute to the way we think about ourselves. So, so many factors, even throughout our lives, that, that shape the narrative we tell ourselves. Man, if it was childhood and our parents got divorced or we battled with addiction or, or we had something happen inside of our life, these all contribute. you got to see this this morning. All of this contributes to the narrative that you tell yourself about yourself. Why is this so important that you have the right view of you? Because there are lost and hurting people going to hell that live in your everyday life. And you're called to make a difference. And you can't make a difference if you're carrying the wrong view of who you are. So what are these things that contribute to the way that we think about ourselves? So many factors. What and who are we making agreement with that leads us to living a life and an identity that is not of God? And in order to overcome them, we've got to define them. I want to start right here. I don't think we could really get a grasp on what's contributing to the way that we think about ourselves if we didn't talk about the enemy. Now, I don't really care to talk about the enemy that much. Uh, the devil, y'all know there is a devil, right? You know there is a devil. and I don't like to talk. I don't really feel like giving him that much air time. I don't really feel like he's worth it. The, the Bible tells us he's defeated. He cannot win from without. He has to infiltrate the inside of us. That's how it works. And But you've got to understand, because if you don't get this, I, I believe one of the number one tools of the enemy, he, he doesn't really care that much about you not believing in God, but if he can get you to not believe in Him, he can run your life from here until you get to heaven. 
He can run your decision-making capabilities. He can crawl up in your mind. He can change the way you see your failures. He, he can change the way you see your relationships. I don't think we can identify how to have a positive self-view if we don't understand that there is an enemy prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the enemy's subtle. He is so good at his job, you don't even notice that he's working in your life. You just think you're the problem, you're messed up, you're broken, you're damaged goods. Come on, somebody. But, but what the enemy does is, is he leverages things in our life that cause us to have a negative self-view of us. That cause us to, to not live the life that God has called us to live. And so we're going to walk through some of these things. I defined a few of them for us, and maybe it, it helps you as much as it, it helps me. One of the most effective tools of the enemy is making sure that we live with a poor view of ourselves. If Satan can do that, he can keep us weak, immobilized, and living in a constant state of shame, regret, and fear. Are you with me? Living a life short of what God has for us. Living a life so short of the overcoming life that God has destined us to live. So, so what are they? What are the major things that operate in our lives that keep us with this negative, with this negative self, self-view? The number one thing that the, the enemy uses, that he leverages, y'all know I'm not real smart, right? Is your thought life. It's the number one thing. It's the number one thing the enemy uses to control your entire life is the way that you think. The way that you think about everything, but specifically this morning, the way that you think about yourself. The enemy causes um, us to, 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 to think things that are not in alignment with God's Word. Um, the enemy uses that little space, for some of us it's real little, in between your ears to run your entire life. Come on, are you with me? He uses your thought life. Right? Think about it this way. Paul affirms this, the Apostle Paul in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. Right? I think we got it on the screen. We have arguments and every lofty opinion going through our brain at every single moment of every single day of our life. Y'all aren't like me. Right? You, don't, you don't have arguments or every lofty opinion that you struggle with. You don't have moments where you don't think you're good enough. You don't have moments where you think you'll never get it right. You don't have moments where you think that, that you were born in the right place at the right time, doing the right... Come on, somebody. Are y'all with me? The enemy is so good and he's so deceptive. Would you believe me if I told you that the enemy is really good at hijacking your thought life and you won't even notice it? You'll just think it's you. You, you think it's you. I've been in these patterns in my life. He, he's so good. He's so subtle. He'll get you to start thinking something and you think it's you thinking it and it's not you thinking it. It's the enemy thinking it for you. You, you understand that the way that you see yourself, it all starts with your thought life. If the enemy can hijack your thought life, he can hijack your whole life. You see, when, when the enemy... I don't know if you know this, but let me, let me, let me help you out today because I learned this and it changed my life. When the devil speaks to you, talking about your thought life today, he speaks to you in your own voice. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that? You don't know that. If you knew that, you could be able to identify it. That's why we're identifying it today, today, so we can change the way we think. He says, well, I'll never be able to lose weight. Because that's the only way he can communicate with you is through your thoughts. You understand that, right? I'll never be able to lose weight. So what do you say? I'll never be able to lose weight. I'll never get a job. I'll never get a job. Man, I'm stupid. Man, I'm stupid. Come on, he's so subtle. He can get you to think. I'll never be like those girls in school. I'll never be like those girls in school. I'll never have the marriage that they have. I'll never be able to amount to something because 
Because my parents did not. I'll never be able to amount. You, you understand this is how the devil hijacks your life. He says something, you parrot him, and before you know it, you're speaking into your own existence. Oh man, I wish y'all could get this this morning. Because it'll revolutionize your life once you realize that the enemy talks to you in first person. He uses your own voice. There's a reason that the enemy is after your thought life. Do you want to know the reason he's after your thought life? The Bible says in Proverbs 23 that as a man thinketh, so is he. Your thought life is your life. The way that you think about your husband is the way that you see your husband. The way you think about your wife is the way you see your wife. The way you think about your kids is the way you see your kids. Come on, somebody. It's in our brain. This is real. I want to change the way you think this morning because the enemy wants to use your mind to create a negative thought pattern about yourself so you'll never fulfill the destiny that God's placed on your life. Right? I heard this quote. Watch your thoughts. Listen to me. Watch your thoughts because they become your words. Watch your words because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. And watch your character because it becomes your destiny. The reason that the enemy starts with your thought life is because he knows that if he starts there, it will end with him owning your destiny. If he can just get you to think this way, with every lofty opinion that raises itself up against the knowledge of God, he can in turn rob you of your long-term destiny. You'll never... Listen to me, because I want this for you. I don't just want you to attend and think this is a great church. I appreciate that, but that's not my end result here. My end result here is to inspire you and encourage you to be a Christian that walks into your everyday life and leads people to Jesus. That's my goal here. I have like the secret goal, you know. I don't want you to just like think I'm a great preacher or have fun. I, I, I do want you to have fun. I want you to do this. But I want you to be a, a strong Christian, a real one, not just a church person. The reason that this is so important is if he can hijack your thought life, he can literally keep you from ever making an impact on your life. And you were called to make an impact, but you can't do it without a negative self-view. And you can't do it as long as you realize he's running your thought life. This has been something that I have battled in my life since the moment I became a pastor. Probably way before that too. I've been around so many people and so many. Can I just get honest with you all for a minute? I've been in so many different atmospheres where these people got degrees and they've been to cemetery or seminary <laughs> and they're smart. Listen, they're smart people. They know way more than I do. I was at this preacher's conference one time, pastor's conference, and, um, and I've always carried this feeling. This is, this, I've had to really battle this because I always don't feel like I'm qualified to do what I'm doing. Um, and I don't feel like I'm as good as somebody else. Whatever, right? Y'all don't have those thoughts? Okay. And I went to this pastor's conference one time, and here's this guy. And he had these horn-rimmed glasses, you know, and he was real slick, hair slick. And I went to talk to him. I really felt awkward because it was around a bunch of pastors, and, and I just don't get along with church people. You know, I just, I don't, I don't, I just hadn't ever, you know, I got, you know, I, anyway. And I went over and I shook his hand, and I was like, hey, man, nice to meet you. And I said, my name is Mark, and I pastor, you know, such and so church, and this is great. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, uh, the first thing he said, where'd you go to Bible college? And I was like, um, well, I didn't. And he goes, okay, yeah, all right. And then he started, to, and, 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 and it built this complex. Y'all have the same thing happen in your life? It built this complex in me that drove the way I preached. It drove the way that I saw myself. It drove the way that I made decisions in my life. It drove that I saw my calling all because I allowed the enemy to hijack the way I thought and it would in turn keep me from reaching the redemptive purpose in my life. What is this? What is the scenario for you, right? Is it you, you had a bad mom and you'll never be a good one? Is it you didn't have family so you'll always be alone? Is it you were, you were an addict and you struggled with it and you'll always be that way? Come on, somebody. What is it today that the enemy's using to run your thought life to keep you from reaching the redemptive purpose that God has for you? Because that's where the enemy starts second place. This is a good one. Here's, a, here's the next one. So the one he, he gets your thought life because your thought life is your life. Say that with me. Say, your thought life, thought life is, your life. is your life. 
Here's the second thing that the enemy loves to use to give you a negative self-view of you. i got to change this in you because if you keep carrying this negative self-view, you'll never reach the redemptive call on your life. And my calling isn't to preach to you. My calling is to pastor you. Here's the second thing that, that the devil uses. He uses your failures. Like I said, there was 38,000. These are just three good ones. He uses your failures. How many of y'all have been here have ever messed up? <laughs> Sherry, we know. <laughs> Come on, let, let's get real. If we're going to get better, let's get real. He, he, the enemy will, will always attempt to get you to focus on your past in order to keep you from the future that God has for you. Come on, this is good. The enemy will always cause you to focus on your past to keep you from the future that God has for you. He'll use your failures. Hey, listen. Listen. Be careful how much you focus on your failures. Be, be careful how much attention you give to your failures. Be careful about how much attention you give to your focus because the longer you focus on them, the longer that they become into, to, to, you come into agreement with those things, the longer they'll drive your future. The enemy loves to use your failures. The enemy will leverage our failures to create the narrative that we're a broken vessel beyond repair. When, it, when, he, when he does this, right? When he does this, he uses the narrative to say we're broken beyond repair. Well, we can't get it right. I'll always be addicted. I'm addicted now. Or I, I was rose, raised on the wrong side of the tracks. I'll never make it. You understand, he uses your failures. Yeah. And the reason he does that, because he, uh, over time, the gap between I made a mistake and I am a mistake becomes really small. The gap between I, 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 I failed and I am a failure becomes a reality. That, that's why he uses your failures. Come on, somebody. Are you with me this morning? You want to change the way you think about yourself. You've you got to understand it starts with your thought life, but, but he also takes it into your failures. When you come into agreement with that you are a failure, guess what? You're going to fail. Well, he uses our failures to create fear in our life and a fearful person is a faithless person. He uses our failures to create a constant pattern of shame and guilt. And do you know what shameful people do? Shameful things. It's a pattern. He wants to create this, this constant pattern through using your failures to, to make you fearful, faithless, to make you shameful, and do shameful things. He uses our failures to create isolation. How many of y'all know the only person that attends a pity party is the devil? Come on, somebody. And if he can get you alone, he can convince you of anything. This is super real and super important for anyone in this room that has failed. Failed in school, failed in your marriage, failed in a job, failed in your walk. Hey, come on somebody, like I'm with you, I fight this one. Hey listen, the last time I checked, there was only one perfect person that ever walked the face of this earth and His name was Jesus. Come on somebody, there was only person who went from life, birth to death and never had a sin. It was the person who hung on the cross for you that shed His blood for you. The expectation of salvation is not perfectionism, but it's the willingness to grow. So the devil uses our failures. Are y'all with me this morning? The devil uses our failures. Here's the, here's the good one. Here's the last one he uses. And then we're going to flip this and, and we'll get out of here pretty quick. Hey, this is a good one. This one's so groundbreaking. I don't know if y'all get it. I got to change the way you see you because I like you and so does God. And that's pivotal for you reaching people in your life. Here's the last one he uses. He uses others. Huh? People like Matthew, just mean-spirited people. 
I'm just kidding. You know, it amazes me. It amazes. It still amazes me that at 36 years old, how 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 I still and everything I've been through in my life. It amazes me that at 36 years old, I still at times let what other people think about me affect decisions in my life. Can I get a witness from somebody? Y'all don't even know how bad I struggle with this. Can I just be real with you for a minute? God uses others to create a negative self-view. Like, I'm a pastor. I don't know if y'all know that or not. but um, And I can't, like, run over to the school and get after people that are getting after my kids because it's like, oh, did you see that pastor? He came in here and he was rude. <laughs> right? I can't go into restaurants and be hateful like y'all can. Y'all just church people. They expect it out of you. But when I, I'm just kidding, kind of. But when I go to a restaurant, somebody knows I'm a pastor. Man, I got to be, this, this, this literally drives me insane if I let it, the way that other people think about me. The, the enemy will love nothing more than to use other people in your life to create a negative self-view of you. He, he uses others in our life, right? You got to identify this if you're going to over... Overcome it. This might be a little controversial, but I personally have noticed that almost that it's almost more of a problem. People having a negative self view, others helping that. It's almost more of a problem for people who are raised in church. Church people can be the worst at setting the bar for others that they have not yet come close to achieving themselves. The, the burden of religious cultures have shaped the mind of most of the people in this room. Come on, somebody. We measure ourselves by, by other people. God uses, the, the enemy uses, uses others. The, well, one, this is one of the largest contributors to the way that we see ourselves as others. We compare our lives to other people. Can, can I tell you that if you compare your lives to other people, it doesn't matter if you're in college, it doesn't matter if you're 72 years old, if you're 62 years old, if you're 11 years old, if you compare your life to other people's life, that will be the breeding ground for a negative self-view for you. But we do it. We got this really great tool that we do it on now called social media. You understand that when you compare your, your, your behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel, you'll never see yourself in the way that God sees you. When you compare, it's so crazy, right? The, the other day, I was trying to figure out how to tell this story in the first service, but I got this friend. I got this friend who's married and his wife's sister and kids were, stayed at their house for about a week. She's married. And I call my brother and I'm like, man, it's loud over there. My friend. I call my friend. And I'm like, it's loud over there. And he's like, yeah. Man, my wife's sister and her kids are over here. Her husband got drunk and went to the casino for like three days. We ain't seen him. And I'm like, well, praise God, you know. And it wasn't the next day after I talked to my brother. I see them. These people, she's been staying in, in his house with their kids. Things aren't good. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Yeah. National Spouse Day. <laughs> Thank you for loving me. <laughs> and I wanted to get on there and be like, stop being fake. I bet there are people who looked at that post and said, man, I wish my marriage was like theirs. I wish we got along like them. My husband didn't even make a post about me on National Spouse Day, and that really hurts. Little did you know, they've been living separate for the last week, and they got more crap going on in their marriage than you could possibly fathom. But you continue to compare your life to someone else's highlight reel, and you have a negative view of yourself. Let me tell you, you cannot live that way. God did not design us to live this way. We'll never overcome that if we don't come to the realization that when we compare our lives to other people, we'll never see our lives in the proper context of what God wants to do in and through us. Come on, that's so good. 
And if you can't not do that, because I have a problem with that, so that's why I have, I feel like I'm yelling. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with comparing my life to other people. I'll just be honest with you. I have a problem with it. And so, um, I got on, you know, me and my wife, we merged, which is really interesting to merge into a, a woman's Facebook. <laughs> so they got all these natural moms groups and all this weird stuff. Anyway, lots of oils, lots of oils on that. And, uh, and other uh, things that I won't get you offended about today. Um, but if you can't not do it, listen, and you really want to change the way you think about yourself, if you can't not compare your lives to other people, just get off of it. You don't need it. And I know we all struggle with it, but there are some people who don't struggle with it as much as I do, and, I, and I'm, I'm bad about it. Are you all with me? So He uses your thought life, He uses your failures, and He uses others. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is us. He says, not that they dare classify or compare ourselves with those who are commending themselves, but look at what he says right here. But when we, say it with me, measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are stupid. And that's plain and simple. The enemy would love to keep you in a life of isolation, to keep you in a life that is disengaged from the calling and the purpose that God has laid on your life by using other people's highlight reel to affect your behind the scenes. But here's what I love about God. We're almost done. Here's what I love about God. Is God uses the same things that the devil uses for good. You know what's cool is that God is a redeeming God. God can redeem your thought life. God can redeem your failures. God wants to redeem the way that you see yourself in contexts of other people. God wants to take the same things that the enemy used and use them for our good inside of our lives. God wants to take them and redeem them. And so here as we walk back through really quick this morning, I want to show you how God wants to leverage your thought life, how God wants to leverage... Um, your failures and how God wants to leverage others to help you build a positive self-view and an image that is correct in what God thinks about you. Here's what I want to say. First off, you cannot afford to entertain a thought about yourself that God does not think about you. Like I told myself this is kind of a life mantra for me. I can't afford, and I do it. Do y'all do it? I can't afford to not to, to entertain an idea or a thought about myself that God does not think about me. So buckle up with me. Number one, how does God want to redeem this? God wants to redeem your thought life. Here's, I'm going to give you some tools to, to overcome this because when you overcome this, you can, you can make an impact on, on your school campus. You can make an impact at your job. You can make an impact on your family. Number one is your thought life. Everybody say thought life. Okay, so I don't know if you know this or not, but God actually gives you the power to control what you do with the thoughts you have. Did you know that? Now listen, it is relatively impossible to control what thoughts you have, but you can control what you do with the ones when they come in. Okay, I'm, I'm going to help you here because it's going to change the way you think about yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, back to the Scripture. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power for destroying strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought, say it with me, captive and submit it to the will of Christ. You, you can't really control what you think, but you can control what you do with the thoughts you have. Are y'all learning today? Because y'all are being quiet. Okay. Because I'm fighting the urge to like wrap up quick because I feel like I'm losing y'all. Are y'all with me? Okay, okay. We can't always control what thoughts come in. However, we have been given by God the power to control what we do with them. Trust me. I know y'all 
because I know me and I'm just a normal person just like y'all are. And it amazes me sometimes at the thoughts that pop into my head. Y'all are so judgmental. (laughs) Y'all think some crazy thoughts. Right? I was talking to this dude first service and I was like, brother, you know what we really need? And he was like, well, I was like, we really need about a two or three month fishing trip. That's what we need. (laughs) Listen, I only got two girls, but it's by the grace of God. I only got two. You know what I mean? It's crazy what you can talk yourself into sometimes. It is impossible to control what thoughts you have. So don't beat yourself up for that. But God did give you the power to do something constructive with them, to, 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 to submit them to the will of Christ. Right? I can do this in my own life. My, my dad died in 2020 of COVID, and he was 61. And I can start the, down the rabbit hole. Y'all, go, y'all ever go down the rabbit hole? And I can be like, oh, well, my dad's dad died young of cancer. And my mom's dad died young of a heart attack, had his first heart attack at 40. And he died, he had cancer a couple times. And my mom's mom died early. She had cancer twice. And before, this is no joke, I'll just be real with you. Before I know it, I can have myself in a full-blown panic attack that I'm going to die tomorrow. And it can immobilize me. And you may think that's stupid, but chances are you've got something in your life that is a consistent thought pattern that is driving your life and you don't even realize it because you haven't learned that you have the ability to take every thought captive and submit it to the will of Christ. God wants to use your thought life to build a positive self-view of you, but you've got to learn You've got to learn to do this. God wants to change the way you deal with those thoughts. But just like everything that God wants you to do, let me just tell you, just like everything God wants you to do, just like everything God wants you to do, just like everything God wants you to do, newsflash, you can't do it on your own. You're going to need His help. You're, you're going to need His, His Word. You're going to need His, His Spirit inside of your life. Romans 12, 2, right? This is how we do it. This is how we change it. It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind say renewal renewal of your mind you have to renew your mind because we know where your mind is right you've got to change it we live in a sinful world we live in 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 a world that's full of problems and we've got a past and we've got things and we have to learn to transform our mind. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The, the only way you can renew your mind is by allowing the Word of God to renew it. Right? You've got to identify when those thoughts come and you've got to allow the Word of God to, to renew your mind. How, how does God renew our mind? How does God do our, renew our mind? With the words that He's already spoken. I hear so many people say like, man, I wish God would speak to me. I wish I could just hear the voice. Like, well, when's the last time you read your Bible? Because there's a lot of voices in there. Right? 98% of the time when I say, when I tell y'all, man, the Lord told me, it's because I'm reading His Word. See something I hadn't seen before. I would love to tell you that God like speaks to me audibly and I'm 100% sure every time it's God. But you want to renew your mind the way you think about yourself? You've got to start with God's Word. You have to, man. I hear so many pastors today begging the people that go to their church to read the Word of God. I'm going to tell you this. Apart from the Word of God, you don't know who you are. Apart from the Word of God, you don't know what your sins have been taken care of. Apart from the Word of God, you do not know the facets of God's love. Right? You ever felt defeated? This is how you do it. This is real time. Man, I'm walking around. I feel defeated. I feel like I can't win in this. I don't know how this is going to work. I just feel defeated. I feel, I feel defeated, right? It's not even you saying that. It's the enemy saying that because he's done hijacked your mind and now he's got your mouth and when your mouth goes, your life follows. When the enemy brings up a thought that you're defeated, Romans 8, 37, no, it says, it says no, 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 you're not defeated because in all these things, you're more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. Right? You ever felt like you're a million miles away from God? I do. Some days. I'm like, man, it sure must look good from up there. 
Well, that's great. You can entertain that and come into agreement with that and let the enemy hijack your thought life. Or you can say, no, the Bible says, but now who, 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 those who are in Christ Jesus who were once far off have now been brought near. Give me that next scripture. This is how it works. This is how you renew your mind. Right? You ever been in a problem where you can't see the way out? I mean, I, 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 I got three, four kids. Sometimes I forget, man. But I got four kids. And some days, I cannot see the way out. I'm like, how do I do this? I'm fighting, Lord. I'm praying. I'm guarding. I'm putting, like, I'm, I'm trying. And like, you ever been in a situation where you can't see the way out? You know how you renew your mind? You don't continue to, to dwell on that. Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together and according to His purpose. This is how you begin to retrain your thought life. Are you all with me this morning? If you're not confident in the authority that Scripture provides you, you'll be a slave for every thought the enemy puts in your brain. God wants to redeem our failures too. God wants to use our failures just like the enemy does. God wants to use our failures, but He wants to use them for His glory. You see, God is a redeeming God. You see this over and over throughout Scripture, right? God takes someone's mistake and uses it for good. The same is true for everyone else in this, this room this morning. The, the, the moment that you embrace your failures and turn them over to God and, and, and realize that He wants to use them is the moment that He can begin to use them for His glory. When you turn them over to Him, the, the moment that you stop hiding them, stop pretending like they don't exist, believing that your life will always be a result of them, the moment you own them, you can transfer that ownership unto God and He can use them for His glory. Come on, somebody. Right? The enemy wants to use our failures to say we're not good enough, we'll never make it, we'll never, have, we'll never be able to be this. I love. I was talking to somebody this week and we were talking about preaching the gospel and evangelizing to other people and helping people get saved. Y'all do understand that there are people in your everyday life that are going to hell. Y'all do understand that, right? And you understand you have the good news of Jesus locked on the inside of you. I'm talking to this person and I'm like, um, we're talking about preaching the gospel to people and getting them saved and outside the church. And um, um, she's like, I just can't do it though because I feel like I'm going to mess it up. You understand, if I can't get you to change the way you think about you, if I can't get you to, to, to see that you're not a failure, It'll have a direct impact on the impact you make in your life. God wants to use your failure for His glory. Listen, God is big enough for your failure. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, But He said unto me, My grace, not your grace, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Listen to me. When you turn your failures over to God, you get the proper view of yourself. Instead of seeing you, you begin to see Christ in you. When you turn your failures over to God, you begin to see the proper view of you. That you are a sinner saved by grace. That they no longer exist. The Bible says that He's thrown your sins as far as from the east is from the west. Come on, somebody. This is good news. If you can't turn your failures over to God, He can't own them and redeem them and wash them with the blood of Jesus. That makes them not exist anymore. When you begin to allow God to transform your failures... You begin to see that, that God wants to use them to create a positive self-image of you. Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But it is Christ that lives in me. Did you know this today, talking about your failures? Did you know that when God sees you, He doesn't see you anymore if you're saved? He sees Jesus. Now that's a little hard for me to wrap my mind around. Did you know that? That when God sees you, He doesn't see Brenda anymore, He sees Jesus. That's powerful in terms of the way that I see myself. Because the Bible says it's His Son in whom He is well pleased. 
that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You've got to get this if you're ever going to make an impact on the world around you, that God wants to use your failures. Your failures, your mistakes, your bad areas of your life are the most valuable asset you have in reaching other people. The, 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 the church will teach you to hide your testimony because it's not really good for you to talk about in this group setting. And it will disarm you from making an impact on those around you. I love, I love this Wednesday night. We were at a small group. And, um, and actually, it was a first night and uh, on Wednesday nights. At 6.30, we have, I have a small group if you want to come. Um, it's pretty good, isn't it, Shane? And um, I pay him to say that. And um, we were telling our story. That's the first thing we did for we, the first week. It's like, man, let me, tell me your story. How would you get saved? What's your testimony? You know, what is it? And I, I, I played a lot of cards growing up, so we went around to the left, you know. And start out here and this guy and this guy and this guy. And I'm about over here on the table. I see this other dude, this other brother, and he is sweating. And I'm like, let's tell our story. He's just like, Whew. and I got, I told mine first, and I was just super transparent. You know, I was like, yeah, hey, this is what I've been through. I messed up really big. This is my life, blah, blah, blah. And like, he was like, oh, crap, we got to be honest in here. You know, it's like, <laughs> I didn't think this was, I thought this was church. Where are we at? I this is not AA, you know. <laughs> anyway, and uh, you know what I mean? And so he starts so I see him, and he starts getting shifty, and he's like, man, you know, like he's looking for a way out. And, and religious lifestyle had convinced him that his testimony was something that he should not tell. And he told this story, and I'm going to tell you this. The only thing I could say when he got done was like, brother, you're still alive. <laughs> it's like, praise God, you know, like, man, there is a God. And that night we said, hey, man, is there something you, you know, like prayer requests and this the same guy. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, I've been struggling in this area. And, man, I just really want to walk away from it. And um, I said, cool. So we prayed for him. And, and I talked to him yesterday. It's been two weeks. And he's been able to walk away from what he wanted to walk away from. All because he took his testimony and allowed God to use it. And there in turn gave him power in his own life. Come on, somebody. When you allow God to redeem your failures... It becomes gasoline in your tank. It's good. It's good. The day that you can thank God for your failures, for your testimony, and come face to face with your human tendencies is the day that you can begin to use them as a tool to reach other people. Your last one. Last one right here. God redeems this one too. I love it. Because people can be mean and nasty. And they're even braver online. And if we're not careful, we can build a wall up between us and others. But I want to tell you this. God wants to redeem others, the thought of others, and use them to build up your self-worth. There are people who actually don't care what you've walked through. Who are more concerned with where you're going than where you've been. There are actually people who would rather pray for you than talk about you. God wants to redeem that. When the enemy is winning the battle of the way we see ourselves, we begin to see others the same way that we see ourselves. This is where religious legalism comes into play. The standard that man sets is unattainable. You can't achieve it. You miss the mark, you get it wrong, and then you begin to treat others the same way that you treat yourself. This is religion. They set a standard that they cannot meet, that is unattainable by man, that is not what God set. And when they can't meet it, because they can't, they think everybody else is the same way because they can't meet it either. You, you can't begin to see people in the proper context if you can't first see that you've failed, that you've fallen short. You, you understand how this 
this, this is what religion does. This is the culture it builds. It's a, it's a culture of perfectionism, and no one is perfect, so no one can live up to it, so they're all just mad at each other. Church, we've got to get past this if we're going to be a church to reach the lost and broken in our world. By, by nature, we project onto others what's going on inside of ourselves. If you haven't came to the place where you are fully accepted by God, even on your worst, nasty, shameful day, if you can't come to the place where God affirms you and accepts you and poured His love out for you on the cross at Calvary, if you can't come to that place, you can't change other people from that place. This is the call of Jesus. What I want you to know is that God places people in your life for your good. That God wants to redeem others. That He did not design you to do life alone. God built you for community. You know, I found that on the other side of some really painful moments that I wouldn't be where I was today if it wasn't for people. I'll never forget Man, I was preaching and, um, man, you know, for a long time I got fired. And I never wanted to preach again. I didn't want to, nothing to do with church people. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll never forget this because I was ready to go do something else. I told my wife, I said, well, you know, we fought, heaven for we fought hell for 10 years. And I can go to heaven happy. You know, I'm good. I've done my share. And uh, I was going to do something else. And... Uh, I'm going to go, go be in construction and be rich. That's what I wanted to do, you know? And, uh, and I got a phone call one day. And it was from a lady who goes to our church. And this is right in the middle of just the worst moment of my life. And she said, hey, I want you to come and preach my husband's funeral. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if you've heard or but I'm not really doing that. And she said, well, it's not a choice. She said, you need to know what you're called to do and you need to come preach my husband's funeral. And I went. And it was a little spark, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, others in your life can get you to see yourself in the proper context when yourself is lost and lonely and broken. God didn't design you to do life alone. God didn't design you to do it all, all, all by yourself. I, I, I got another call a couple of weeks after that from a pastor that I didn't even like. You ever met? You, you ever never met someone and don't like them? This was that guy. Hey man, knew my whole situation. Hey man, there's a group called Hope is Alive in Weatherford, and they need somebody to speak tonight. And I just, I can't go. And I told him you were coming. You got to be there at seven. Okay. Like, listen, guys, others. Hey, hey, what is it? You're, you're, this is what you're called to do. Don't, don't worry about that. This is what you're called. Same is true for you. God wants to use the people that He places in your life to encourage you, to challenge you, to build you up, to hold you accountable on the good things that God is doing in your life. God wants you to know you're not in this alone. The enemy's tool is isolation, and God's answer is community. It is impossible to have a God-centered view for your life apart from community. Right? The way you see yourself matters. God loves you. He cares for you. He sent His Son to die for you. This is real. A few years ago, my wife and I were pastoring. It was just a Sunday. We do this every, you know, Sundays come with extreme regularity. Did you know that? Every seven days. Better have a message. And... There was a woman, little did I know, it was just a random Sunday as a woman walked in the door. She had sent her kids to her, to her mom's house. And she was going to get right with God and kill herself that afternoon. She was addicted and broken and depressed and lonely. And the enemy had hijacked her thought life. The enemy had used her failures 
to create a narrative in her life that she was no longer valuable enough to live. And he had used others to shame her and judge her into a place where she was ready to not live anymore. She walked through the doors. And she found a message. And she found people. It must be the Lord. <laughs> people who had looked beyond their failures. People who could see people for who they are. What they can be. And she left that day and she checked herself into rehab. And she's alive. But it never would have happened if there hadn't been an atmosphere where people said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow God to change the way I think about me. Because I'm worth it. I'm going to allow God to redeem my failures so I can use them to other people so that they can see that they're never too far away from God. Church, they walk through these doors every week. Maybe you don't know them. Maybe you know them. Maybe you are them. But I'm going to tell you, it's worth getting yourself to the place where you can see yourself for who God created you to be. Lives, eternities, hang in the balance. Come on, are you all with me? Father, we love you. And I just thank you. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning. And man, maybe God's moving on your heart. I want to tell you, man, that feeling you feel, it, it, it's the Holy Spirit moving in your life. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus. Or maybe you have. Maybe you're in the other category that maybe you did and you were younger or it was a long time ago. And by no means are you not saved. It's a once and for all kind of love. But you know the feeling. You've walked away from God. But today is the day and here you are. And you've carried this negative self-view because of your distance from God. Or because you haven't accepted God as your Savior, Jesus as your Savior. Today I want to give you the opportunity to do that. You know, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories. One about a lost sheep, one about a lost coin, and one about a lost son. And all of those things, the lost sheep wandered, the lost coin was mishandled, and the lost son walked away. Maybe that's you. But the, the ending for all of those different components is the same, is that heaven rejoices when one person comes back into a relationship with God. And I want to give you that opportunity. For the first time today, you accept Jesus, or for the last time, 